Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this, what the fuckers. That is it. It's going to be what the fuckers. You are listening to WTF. I am Mark Marin. I appreciate your listenership. I appreciate your donations. Soon you will all have your t-shirts, those of you who chose the rolling subscription of $10 a month. And anyone who contributed or donated $120 or more, you're going to get a swag bag by Christmas, I promise. If it's a little later than Christmas for some of you, I'm sorry, but I'm doing this all myself and I'm not a small business owner. Today on the show, Janine Garofalo will be uh, here. I believe she's on her way over, if I'm not mistaken. And I would like to start with a couple of emails because I am getting emails and I'm getting a a very specific type of email. And I'm glad to be of service to you people who I am making feel better. This one really. Well, first of all, let's start with these because I got a few of these and I, I need to redress. Is that how you say it? To readdress, to redress the topic of Guitar Hero. I condescended to Guitar Hero because I think it's stupid. And I think that I my belief was that if you're playing Guitar Hero, maybe you should be playing a real instrument, at least being creative and not just learning how to pretend to play guitar. And I've got three or four emails roughly along these lines. This is from Christopher. I love the cast, bro. Recommend it highly to all my friends. One thing I disagree with you about is Guitar Hero. I don't play it myself, but my daughter does. Before she did, she had no interest in rock and roll, just crappy pop. One year later, we can cruise down the highway and be happy together listening to Led Zepp or Aerosmith. Really cool. Also, she started taking guitar lessons and teaching herself riffs off of YouTube. It's cool to pass by her door and hear some new fragment of something she's trying to work out. I don't think she would have done this without Guitar Hero. Not for me, but it has its place and benefits. That's very touching. And I've gotten two or three letters from people whose kids have started with the Guitar Hero and decided to play real guitar. So I stand corrected. But those of you who are just playing it and not playing real guitar are fucking losers. All right. Now, this is definitely the email of the month. This is the most serious what the fuck email I've ever gotten. This is Thursday, November 5th, 2009 at 4.51 p.m. on the Gmail. The subject line is WTF moment happening right now on Fort Hood. I shit you not. If we were going live, this would be different, but this came that day. Mark, I'm in the army and my ass is currently sitting in my office waiting for the shooting to stop so I can leave. I spent 30 months in a combat zone, and the only problem is I'm not currently in a combat zone. I'm in my stateside post on Fort Hood. Apparently some crazies are shooting up the place. I will never be able to escape combat deployments. I'm going to get a combat strip stateside. What the fuck? Unbelievable. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're okay, Marcus. Thank you for the email. I'm sorry about that tragedy. And if, uh, you know, God forbid you lost any friends, you know, God knows the, the army lost some people and it was a horrible, crazy incident. And I wish I was going live, but uh, that wins the what the fuck email contest. Certainly. You know, it makes it makes my what the fuck moment seem trivial. I mean, I've got a guy emailing me from Iran, uh, you know, listening to me on the bus. 
I've got a guy emailing me from from Fort Hood during the middle in the middle of a massacre, which I'm sure he didn't even know what the scope was until he after he sent that email. I've got emails coming in from guys who patrol in Baghdad. I've got emails from people that are losing their jobs. And and I'm sitting here going, what the fuck? I've got to move my shit from New York to L.A. Man, is my life a mess. How am I going to fucking move my big screen TV? Do I have to pack it? Am I what? I I feel almost uh, embarrassed that that. But I guess I should feel some relief in another way and not in a schadenfreude type of sense. But life is really okay for many of us, even in the face of tremendous adversity. If I'm getting these emails from these people. Who are, who are surviving and finding, you know, moments where they can, you know, get away and say what the fuck or that they are still alive. and We're all still moving forward. It's encouraging because I'm easily overwhelmed. I mean, I can't tell you how long I've been festering on the idea of changing my addresses, just changing my addresses. I spent two hours making phone calls, changing my address, two hours. You don't realize how much money you have going out to where or how many people need to know what your address is until you have to change it. And I tried to be polite, but my biggest obsession was just packing shit. You know, how people say like, Hey, don't worry, you'll get it done. Sometimes you don't, I don't know how it's going to get done because sometimes I don't get it done. Sometimes I wait right up till the last minute. And then all these big plans I had, I'm like, fuck it, just throw it in the box, wrap it in blankets and throw it in the box. I got a guitar amp to move. I got to move my guitars. I got to email, I got to mail a printer. And then I find out like, you know, I got to go to UPS. I realize, okay, fuck it. I can get my TV packed at UPS. Is it going to be too much money? I don't have that much money. No, it's not. And then I'm driving. And then I got a little racist on myself, on my sad self. Because I got to go to a UPS store. I'm looking for the UPS store. I live in uh, Astoria, Queens. At the end of Steinway, you might as well be in Egypt. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if this is racist. Because I, I was like, oh, no, is this, is this going to be an Arab-owned UPS store? For some reason, my brain went to a very primitive place. And I thought that I would take my big screen TV into an Arab UPS store and have to haggle in some sort of primitive way, like, you know, like, uh, like, like, can you mail this? It's like, I don't know how much money do you have? I, I can do it if, uh, you, know, like, you know, what the fuck was I thinking? It's not a medieval market. It's a UPS store. I thought I was going to walk in. There'd be like weird bundles of things that need to be sent to strange addresses and in, in Arabic. And like, you know, are they going to really send my TV? Are they going to steal my TV? And I was, I was d- d- disgusted with myself. So I went to the UPS store and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Arab owned. It turned out to be Indian owned. And for some reason I was relieved. And I don't know if that's racial either in the sense that like I've decided that all Indian people are very pleasant people. Is that racist? I don't know. I've always been enchanted by Indian culture. When I hear about India having the nuclear bomb and Pakistan having all this trouble, there's really always been part of me that thinks like, but how, how could there be such trouble in that region? They have such wonderful breads. And the food and the yogurt sauce with the and the lentils. I mean, how could it be that bad? Can't they just sit down and eat something? And in in Astoria, the Indians seem to have uh, they own most of the Dunkin' Donuts, Thirty One Flavors franchise. They own a lot of the kiosks, and they own this uh, UPS store. And I, I was re- very relieved for some reason because the Indian people that I've come in contact with are always very pleasant. They're very polite. I enjoy the cadence of their voice. I felt well taken care of. Uh, I said, have you shipped a, a flat screen big TV before? Said, oh, yes, many times we have shipped. And I'm like, oh, well, that felt good. I, I'd like you to talk about it some more just so I can hear you talk about it. I don't know if that's being racist. I just think I, I, 
I was probably imagining something that didn't really exist. So n- needless to say, my, uh, my big screen TV is being shipped by a very pleasant Indian man who owns a UPS store. And uh, there was no tension at all. My skin is exploding. Can you see how bad my skin is? You always smell like vanilla and look very shiny to me. I, uh, well, thank you. I have vanilla moisturizer on, but my skin has a, taken a turn for the worse. I don't know if it's cold weather, but something has exploded and it hurts to touch my face. Are you serious? Yeah. It actually, it's all rashy. My collarbone, it's all rashy on my collarbone. Well, you know, when it gets cold, when the seasons change, it gets drier. True, but this hasn't happened before to this degree. Maybe it's uh, the menopause. Oh, I think I'm in perimenopause. We've uh, discussed this before. If you don't know that voice, it's Janine Garofalo. <clears throat> oh, uh, hello. Janine Garofalo is here. Uh, Janine, what, what's the matter? You, I think uh, I'm in perimenopause, which what is, is menopause perimen- 10 years before you would get it. It's a, it's some, it happens to some of the ladies where you have symptoms of menopause 10, at least 10 years prior to actually going through menopause. And I'm wondering if that has something to do with my skin problems. What about fibromyalgia? Fibromyalgia, sure. Grandma's got fibromyalgia. Yeah, and yeah, uh, which I think is just one of those made-up catch-all big pharmaceutical things like. Oh, now you're changing your tune. No, 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 no. no. I've always thought that about it. I've I've been diagnosed with it, but I feel like it's what so many people get diagnosed with. And your back is. Uh, my back is just as always kind of chronically bad. It's fine. It's fine. I'm used to it. You look great, though. Oh, thank you, thank you. (laughs) I washed my hair today just for this show. And even combed it. Janine, come on. You look come great. On. We're not that old. No, I am not t- putting myself down. I'm just telling you the reality of these things that are happening. Is it part of the aging process? I don't know. Um, I find Perhaps it. I should have taken better care of myself as a younger person, but I didn't, and this is the way it is. But, you know, I don't mind being... Uh, honestly, I do not mind aging. I don't love some of the stuff that comes with it, but I've got no... No problem with telling people how old I am or no problem with birthdays. I don't have angst over, oh, my God, I'm turning 45. That stuff does not bother me. But I don't love waking up in the morning with my, you know, my back cracking and my ankles hurting and stuff like that. I, that is less you were going to say with, appealing. Your, with your balls descending. My balls descending. Well, that's why I wear the Spanx tights. You know that. Because <laughs> uh, my balls are dropping at an alarming rate. And it's just I like to keep all my troops in one foxhole. <laughs> So I put tights on. It happens to the best of us. It sure does. Mine haven't dropped. I'm kind of hoping for that. They haven't? No. I thought they started dropping around after the age of 30. Really? Yeah. Maybe uh, minor uh, immature. Good for you. Good for you. Your balls are high and tight. I got high, tight balls like a 20-year-old. That's fantastic. I'm very excited about it. Especially since we just talked about Doug Stanhope's balls, the size of his balls when he had his... And he had a vasectomy, which I would have been interested to hear why. I mean, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it's because he did not want to have children. But a young man having a vasectomy is not as usual. It's a lot less to worry about. I know another yeah. guy that's got a vasectomy. Oh, I think it's. I, I do think it's a, a good idea for people who are sure about their choices. Are you sure you're not going to have kids? Absolutely. I've never. I have never wavered on that. There was a point where I thought I probably should adopt to be socially responsible because I was um, in the '90s. I was, you know, uh, financially well off and i thought it it, it is should it, it probably the responsible thing to do there's so many children in need of care i never think about having them like i you know some people people ask me don't you want kids i'm like i, I never really think about it no i never have wanted kids but i have done the thing where I've, I've done the you know where you adopt you know a kid from guatemala this that and the other i do feed the children stuff like that 
I have seven nieces and nephews. I know I don't want to have children. I, just, I, I enjoy be, babies. Yeah, to me, it'd just be like, oh, you're here? Wait, I forgot. I, uh, I No, not that. I mean, I, I do love babies. I don't love for how uh, long, the, though, really? the idea of having a teenager. I just am not interested in, but and it's all about structure and things and the uh, ways oh, I don't want to live. But um, will I'm, I regret this? Will you regret this on your deathbed? That remains to be seen. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to regret. I. I don't. I. I just don't. I'm having a hard enough time growing up myself. Right. I can't imagine like you know cats are about as as much as I can do. And yeah, the dogs thought, are as much for me as the I can. thought of fucking up a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are they not going to get fucked up? Uh, well, you know that everybody rolls those dice, and then there's a lot of people who do everything right. And the kid still winds up with issues. And then there's parents who do everything wrong and the kids are the most stable, you know, most because they've probably had to parent. And then you've got to worry about them like they're outside. Yep. Or, you know, some They get a driver's license. They got a babysitter, a driver's license before the car. Yep. Oh, I agree. I I don't know how people do. I don't know where they find the time. I can barely do the shit I need to do now. And my brother has three kids. Well, I think actually it gets easier when you have kids. I do believe actually. It, it makes it that you do become more motivated. You do get a lot more done in a day because there is someone that's so supremely important to you and you're so in love with this being that it, it becomes effortless in certain ways do you think we're to do be, so much. You think we're going to be emotionally stunted if we don't have them? Well, we're just coincidentally, you and I are emotionally stunted in different ways. I don't think that has anything to do with well, the kids or not well, having then the tell kids. Tell me, how am I emotionally stunted? Seriously. There's just... Areas we don't have the time, Mark. There's just areas of your life where you are uh, emotionally less mature than you could be, and then there's other areas of your life where you're quite intellectually mature. Yeah, but you know, you you get you get emotional, you get oversensitive, you get angry quick, you move toward anger quickly. Yeah. Um, that you know, if you had kids, that might change because you would be forced to be the adult. And I'm not saying that you should have kids because I don't think it's the right choice for everybody. And I wish more people would be more thoughtful about this. Yes, choice. as my ex-wife put it, you think I'm bringing kids into this? Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> feel that way about just the world in general. But you could probably say that about any era, medieval times to the 1950s, what have you. But some people don't think twice about it. You're going to have a kid, right, Brendan? You're going to have one. I mean, you, you're, it's part of what you're going to do, right? We actually just uh, talked about this last night. And? We, uh, we did not pull the goalie. We oh. held. We held. We held off. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. We, that kind of talk. Yeah. Are yeah, we doing yeah. this? Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God! So it's right there. You're right yeah. on the cusp. I know that there is. You know, I was just watching a documentary, a wonderful documentary called "The Business of Being Born" that Ricky Lake produced about how uh, the pharmaceutical industry has hustled women into thinking that they need way more interventions medically than they do in the birthing process, way more care than they do for the most part. Not, My friend no. Sam's wife had two in the bathtub. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They brought she, a doula over. Exactly. And that's how you, we, we should be doing it. And actually other developed nations that use midwifery and doulas have ha- higher uh, health rates for the mother and the child. We when have I was a huge born, mortality When rate. I was born, it was not in fashion to breastfeed. That's right, me either. My mother would not breastfeed That's me. from the industry that wanted to sell them breastfeed. Simulac. You know, Simulac. That's right. That's right. And uh, my father, like many people of his generation, was born on the kitchen table in his apartment. Really? My father didn't know I was born for three years, I don't think. Well, and that was he, probably a par for the course in yeah, that era. He was working very hard. But be that as it may, my point was <laughs> yes. witnessing footage of women giving birth in the bathtub, doing natural things with, with the midwife or the doula. That, now, I, I can see that that is one of the most exciting, alive things they're ever going to feel. There yeah. is no, no, nothing that probably that will ever compare 
to that experience those women are having and with their husbands and the other children. I in the can room. quote uh, Joel Peter Wicken once quoted his mother as saying that giving birth is like feeling the weight of the world drop through you. Through your vagina. Yeah. I, that's probably true too. But then there's endorphins <laughs> that get released and um, It's a good high, man. Now it's having good said that, it's it's a probably a wonderful time having that baby. But cut two. Every other thing that comes with that, that is not probably the most wonderful time. And very, very few people are willing to talk about this. The realities of family living, child rearing, marriage, especially in contemporary society. But I think, but I also think some, I've seen switches turn. Like I'm a selfish guy. I'm a self-absorbed guy. You know, it's very hard for me to even, you know, be nurturing to people. Like I don't have that trust. And there's some part of me that's damaged that thinks like, well, if I give to you, what happens to me? But I've seen a lot of people change, and, and it's almost – it's biological. Yes. The dynamic is you're, you're connected. That's part of you. You, you love this, this of being. Of And you don't even think twice about it. Oh, no, no. I understand this. Yeah. And I see it all the time. I've seen it my siblings. And, and my then parents some, were great parents. Some kid with drugs down the street or yes. with porn or they get you know caught up with the the weird kid. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is one weird kid it to fuck up. It just takes one other externality <laughs> yeah. to bring your kid down. For life. And you could do For everything life. right. That That's what I'm saying is I realize one of the best things probably that ever happens to a person is child rearing. I understand this. I understand how beautiful babies are. And I intellectually get that I have missed out on something by not giving birth in the bathtub to my you know, to my baby, and I'll never ever experience that kind of love. But at the same time, I don't want to pick out schools and get vaccinations and get the driver's license and stay up all night worrying. This is this is a 24-hour commitment of fear and anxiety, and I am not mature enough to handle that. Yeah, uh, I am not, and I am not in any way saying uh, that that, uh, that 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 somehow I should. You know, I, I'm not proud of this. I'm ashamed of this, that yeah. I am not up to the task. But again, there are mi- millions of other people who are not up to the task either, and I wish they would Stop. realize that. <laughs> but the many, many people have uh, weddings and babies because they don't know what else to do. Yeah. It is culturally. Right. Uh, it's like, yeah. It, what what does life pressure. mean? I've had yeah. that. So, yeah. Well, sometimes you know, life feels kind of empty, and, but I'm sort of. But they don't know how else to fill it. There are millions of ways to fill an empty life. Marriage and children are not always the best way to do that, but it's the easiest way a lot of people think. Yeah, but then it it. becomes a fight. It doesn't stay easy forever. I mean, am I going to get married again? I uh, I would assume you would. You seem to be a romantic in that way. I don't. I don't know why you're not just content to live with people, but you seem to like. I should have that last time. You should have probably both times, but. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting married. It's it's marrying the right person. That's the issue. But uh, I I myself have never wanted to be married either. I have no problem with living with people. You know what I just I like? don't want to be married. You know what I like about you right now, and I tell this to people that you've never been funnier, and you're like born again comedian. Oh, thank you. You're born again stand up. Like you're like I'm doing the work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and and uh, and you're doing the work. And I I know. I guess I want to talk to you about this because I want to go over there. You went to England. Yes, went to Scotland and Ireland. How was the experience? It was great. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. But when you were talking about doing the work, there are aspects of it I don't love. It is a business. There is promotion involved. There is uh, responsibilities involved. And that aspect of it I don't like. And you're not tweeting? Uh, I'm not tweeting and And stuff. There's a fake me. There's a fake me Facebooking and Twittering that's not me. But um, I don't do that work that you and Doug do online that needs to happen a lot to build a community. But um, you have one, though. 
Well, sometimes it's a, it's very difficult for me to sell tickets. It's a struggle. I mean, I've got to really hustle to sell tickets uh, to see my shows. Now, I understand that in this economy, especially, it's not your probably your first instinct. Hey, let's spend money on comedy. And also, there's a lot. You know, it's not like I have a. Uh, high presence in the entertainment industry like I used to. So there's a lot of people that probably have even forgotten that I exist. I don't know. I was at the Lakeshore Theater with you, and there were people coming up with cats and dogs, the truth about the cats and dogs, DVDs. I know, yeah, from 15 years ago. Cute little lesbian girls who wanted you to sign their boob. I know, but there was a time where in the 90s where it was easy to move tickets for big venues. That is not the case anymore. That's okay. But what I'm saying is, is the hustle that one has to do to fill venues is 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 not enjoyable to me. It's a it's a it's it can be a drag trying to sell yourself on radio stations and in print and online and doing interviews like please come see me at such and such for this. I don't like that aspect of it. And then also uh, as much as I enjoyed Edinburgh, it is uh, work. You have to do good shows oh, yeah. on a nightly basis for about an hour and fifteen for minutes, thirty days for thirty days. And um, on the one hand, it's great because you get really good at the end of 30 days. On the other hand, every night is new. And there's reviews coming out nightly now where you have citizen reviewers and then bloggers. And so you are only as good as your last show. There can be a blogger who hated you who will really affect the ticket sales for – and it's a dress. So each night for your hour and 15 minutes. And what show, do they expect out of us? It's like, you know, these people, they have this hunger, like we're machines, like everything's got to change. Or they see one show and three weeks later, they're like, she did the same show. I know. Like, I, I guess, fuck? I guess they, there are some, not all, there are some that would like to see something new I, because they don't, well, how would they understand that you're not writing a new hour? You know what I mean? They don't, they, they probably also feel like you're just saying certain things off the cuff. Um, cause some comedians uh, are, some people are so sophisticated in so many ways, but like, it, it's just sort of like. That was what amazed me about the writer strike was that there are smart, reasonably uh, political, intelligent people that think that Jon Stewart's writing all his own material. Right. Well, I guess I guess it's part that, of the illusion. There's that's true. Parts- but there's certain things we don't know about other lines of work. It's no, just, I understand that. I, but you'd think that'd be a no-brainer. There's well, a for some, staff. it's a no-brainer. There's handfuls of people that don't know that you're not writing a new hour each night. But and there's some people that don't understand that. Um, hugely famous comedians have writers sometimes. Yeah. But, um, that, you know, that's okay. If you tell them sometimes, they go, oh, okay. But then there's others that seem angry that they aren't seeing a new I don't know. It gets so exhausted. show. Are we happy? Uh, I sometimes, it depends on the day. It depends on the minute. I, I, am I mean, some, like on a day-to-day basis, let's talk about this sure. for a minute. Let's, let's relax because you and I have known each other a long time. That's okay. I'm not hepped up. I feel relaxed. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to Are relax. Are you not now. relaxed, Mark? No, I'm take relaxed. Take, I'm okay, try- good. Taking a breath. I um, Like on a day-to-day basis, what do you – like are we happy? I mean, I, I mean, do you have peace of mind? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, like I said, it depends on, on the pills? day. Uh, no, not for that. I was on antidepressants because of the fibromyalgia. No, I know. I know. But no pills right now? Um, I do. I have medication for my joint pain. What is that? It's just pain medication for. I have degenerative disc issues and also it's like I have arthritis, but it's you know no big deal. Most of, most of it is Advil and stuff. Because like I remember when that, like a few months ago you were all hopped up on the Lex. What was it? It was a uh, Lyrica. Oh my God! You you were like you should have been holding a. a, a it was great. A billboard for them. It was great. I was in, really enjoying it until the weight gain aspect of it you look uh, lean and mean oh thank you i'm off the lyrica now but i wound up gaining um 16 pounds um on lyrica and, and on a five foot one frame it makes a big difference so and you had that weird precipice of like fat or sanity fat or, or it wasn't insanity it was just that it takes the lyrica for some reason uh works with fibromyalgia but it also is given to people as an antidepressant 
depressant. So I was reaping the benefits of it as a painkiller and also an antidepressant. I don't struggle with depression, so it was even like six notches above that. Oh, my God. You were like so on fire. I was in a great, great You're mood. You're like manic. It was like being young again, yeah. honestly. But I didn't like gaining weight. I have to admit I'm a shallow lady, and uh, I would prefer not to be uh, – in, in the throes of weight I, gain. I'm a shallow lady as well. And yeah, I know I, you enjoy your, your, your yeah. skinny jeans. We went shopping together and you look fantastic in those pants. <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable. I haven't worked out Well, our out culture in a few values days. it. Uh, unfortunately, our culture values lean. I feel like I might as well have uh, like, like a skin disease and a hunchback if I am 10 pounds heavier. Well, than I, I, I sort of feel that way too. I'd rather not have, I do have a little bit of a hunchback as it is, a bad posture. And I got bad skin, but uh, I do feel much better if I'm lean. Let's walk and through a day. And I hate to admit that, but. Let's walk through a day with Janine Garofalo. Uh, uh, we wake up. I wake up. I walk the dog. How many you got now? Now just one. I had three. Um, I wake up. I walk the dog. Do you talk to the dog? I do. I, t- I have running. That I do talk. And Pete, I live with my boyfriend, Pete. Do you uh, walk him? Uh, sometimes I walk him if he's up for it. <laughs> uh, Pete and I sometimes walk the dog together, get coffee. Then we... Um, Spend a lot of time listening to NPR, read read the paper. Do you talk back to the radio? So occasionally. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot more time talking back to television news than we do. That's at night. Um, and then I, uh, you know, sometimes do some phone business. I, I If I'm doing stand-up or some th- sometimes I'm hoping to get an audition for, you know, some acting job. I'm always hoping to get an acting Anything job. Anything lately? So far, no. I, um, I think I may be doing uh, the new Nora Ephron play. Um, On Broadway? Yeah. Uh, if it's on, it's called Love Loss and What I Wore. It's off Broadway. Um, theater is exciting. Theater is exciting. I just get really nervous. I get really scared. So I'm not. I'm not as as good as I. So should that be. might happen. So that might happen. So now and we're then, at lunch. What and do we then do for lunch? Uh, I, I actually don't usually eat breakfast or lunch, but um, uh, I tend to smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink a lot of coffee and tea and soda and and stave off the inevitable feeding frenzy that happens at night for me. And what, what does that look like? Uh, that is, that's a mess. You don't want to know about I, that. I do want to know about uh, it. Well, I eat, eat mm. once a day, but it can be as much as I want and whatever I want. That's is, that, the, is this your own system? Or that's my it, own system. This is the Garofalo system? You can't get system? this cement-colored uh, visage <laughs> on your face without a system, <laughs> and that's my system. What do, you, of, what do you eat at night? Like ice cream? Uh, oh, it or? depends. It can be anything. That's the that's the gift I get for not But how not long does eating. it go on for? Does it go into the bed Until I, I have to lay on the floor torpid and gassy. <laughs> but, you know, if you if you starve yourself during the day, you get the gift of, if I want to eat just Ben and Jerry's ice cream for dinner, that is the gift I give myself. What's the hour cutoff, though? You can't oh, there with, is no hour cutoff. You can eat at any time you want. I can eat at any time I want at night. I'm going to, this sounds like a no, good No, it diet. can be as late as I want or as, you know, but I just try, I don't, I try not to eat before nightfall. You know what I had recently? What? A big slice of pecan pie with vanilla ice cream that on top That sounds of fantastic, it. although I prefer oh. whipped cream to ice cream. But this is like, pie. it was almost like whipped cream ice cream. Homemade. Yeah. You know what I do have almost every day though at Jacques Torres, what? which is a chocolate tiria, a white chocolate hot liquid chocolate every day from Jacques Torres, which is on Hudson and King. There's one uptown, too, and in Brooklyn. They also have spicy hot chocolate with their own homemade whipped cream. I so have ch- wait, spicy one hot of those almost every day. Yes. I hear that's good. It's fantastic. It's mm. fantastic. But uh, Jacques Torres, white hot chocolate and spicy hot chocolate, almost every day I have one. Wow. Yeah, that's that's part of my day. But I am always hoping that a job will come. I'm, this, this day I'm giving you is an unemployed day. Which uh, unfortunately are too many recently, 
um, on a work day, that's different than I just work. But um, uh, then uh, recently I bought at the Housing Worst Bookstore a huge Oxford encyclopedia, which is an enormous tome. Yeah, I've seen those. So has, are you starting at page I'm one? I'm starting to – yes, I started reading that. So you're um, at Aardvark? Uh, I am. Actually, I just got it, so I'm in the A's still. <laughs> and then I just finished before that reading a book about art theory through the ages to learn about art theory. By Gombrich? Um, oh, it might be. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know who it is. But I um, I just finished that, and uh, now I'm reading the encyclopedia, which sounds like the biggest dick to say that. Sound like the biggest asshole saying, I'm reading the encyclopedia. But, no, no, no. I've known people that have done that. But that's the kind of time I have on my hands because I don't have children. Do you and I'm retain? retain? Sometimes I do. Uh, a lot of times I have to write it down while I'm reading so I can retain it. Like I'll write down what I, I just I'm finding read. that I use words that I really don't know what they mean. But I know like, I have an idea of them. What? Give me an example. Like I, I right now for the last day and a half, I've been meaning to look up the word pride. Because I don't know that I could define it for you. Wouldn't it? Pride, wouldn't it be like a sense of confidence in or a sense of integrity about or a, a belief in? That's, that's good. Like, I, I know I what don't it know. means. Maybe. I know what it means and I know how to use it. But I was going to do some research on the seven deadly sins. And, and, and out of all of them, I can understand them. Like, I know what greed and what wrath and what sloth and what uh, envy. I can, I can explain those things. But pride, like, because it's used in so many different ways, I couldn't, I don't know if I could render it down. Well, there's uh, negative connotations to it, like somebody being prideful. Right. Like in Jane Austen's era, if you, right. were, if you were proud, it was not a good thing. That was, but what, how would you describe that as an undeserved sense of confidence or a well, condescension? Well, if it's used bad, or, it would be condescending or arrogant. Condescending or arrogant. Um, I have a question. When yeah. somebody is called an intellectual, like the late Susan Sontag, yeah. referred to as an intellectual, yes. is there a, do you have to earn that? Like, how is it that you are an intellectual? Like, do you have to have a master's I think intellectuals degree or were sort of like I think they were sort of like the, uh, the, the cerebral equivalent of a Renaissance person, that if you were well-versed in, you know, in, a, in a fairly profound way in many different disciplines of thought, like intellectuals generally could speak more than a few languages. Uh, they were also very literate. They also knew enough about science to you know, carry on a conversation. And they were able to integrate all of these different disciplines into their, their explanations of things. Mm-hmm. So you would say that that is what Susan Sontag in contemporary society, the late Susan Sontag. Well, there's a whole, yeah, it's like a salon mentality that people who are intellectuals are professional integrators of all disciplines into conversation. But there also the word artist, which I think is used far too liberally. There are so many people in entertainment, if you will, who refer to themselves as artists that they are not. They, are, they may be an actor. They may be a singer. They may be a dancer. An art, or stand-up comedians, there's a lot of them who refer to themselves as artists. They are not. They, I don't know what it takes to be called an artist then. It's like I the do. word genius is just thrown out there. Well, genius, there are, there are ways to really Genius d- should determine. be sublime. I right, feel. but I think artist is that to me an artist – is somebody who has put their craft in place and uses it to express themselves. You know, whether they're a good artist or not. I mean, where you run into trouble with artists, it's like poet. It's like you can't really, I mean, until you've really, you know, figured out how to express yourself through a craft of some sort, you can't just like throw shit on a canvas or throw a bunch of words down and call yourself a painter or a poet. You can, but I think that real artistry comes from, you know, spending time developing your craft and then departing from it and being creative, knowing it's in place 
And I think you can judge a good artist or a bad artist, but they can call themselves an artist. Well, I think at entertainment, there's plenty of people who are competent, hardworking actors, let's say. But are they an artist? I mean, they, they are good, I guess, at that medium, in that medium of, of acting. But they sometimes get referred to as artists. Right. And it just seems strange to me. Like, I, I guess I figure artistry well, you were, uh, is, is more creative than some acting. Well, I once asked, asked, asked you, I asked. asked you back when we were in Brooklyn, I asked, asked you, you know, about acting and you just said, uh, it's pretending. Well, for some, for some, I mean, there's some people who are sublimely good actors and then I guess, yes, they would be artists. And then there's some people who create every night on stage, like in the theater, live theater, there is something sublime going on. And then there's some actors I've seen in the medium of film stuff who I find unbelievably sublime, like Samantha Morton is just one example, a British actress who I feel to be unbelievably talented. Well, I think that when, even when you see like, like a good example is like someone like Jack Nicholson, who's a movie star. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he does. He's right. an actor, but you know, his job is movie star. Mm-hmm. And when I, I remember seeing him in, in, in Pritzi's Honor, where he went against type right. and actually engaged his craft and made some specific choices about how to do a character. Right. And I was impressed because I could see that he was an actor who was working, mm-hmm. that he was, he was engaging in his chops. Same with Brad Pitt. When you see Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards or Burn After Reading, where you're like, you know, he's a movie star, but he's now making character choices and engaging his craft. Mm-hmm. And he does have more range than just that. Right. So are they artists with a craft? Yes, I would say yes. I, I don't know. I don't know if you would consider it that. There, I, I think I think they're very good at what they do sometimes. Sometimes I think they misstep. Like anyone, there's a lot of actors that are only as good as their director and editor. I find that an, an artist is somebody like, when you, when you talk about modern art, like, you know, I'm a big Rothko fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I like minimal modern art a bit. And I can appreciate it. But that's one of those situations where people go, anyone could do that. And you're like, no, they can't. Like, I can stand in front of a modern art masterpiece. And even if I don't like it, I feel like it's complete. That I'm in the hands of a professional. Like, this wasn't done by some idiot trying to make a point. Like, everybody thinks, like, well, I can splatter paint. Yes, but you can't do it with the confidence and craft. And you didn't do it. That's right. So I I think it's really a matter of, like, deciding whether or not something is finished and it is a a representational expression of somebody who knows how to express himself in a a craft, within the craft that they've chosen, that they can call themselves an artist. Well, I would also say that modern art is actually a lot of times tends to be about much more what's going on with the people looking at it. Yeah. You know, with classical art, you just see the, the great masters and you see these beautiful pieces and you go, oh, my God. Whereas with a lot of modern art, it seems to be what it's provoking in the viewer. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, these statements are being made with modern art. And there's a lot of modern art, though, that I do feel very nonplussed by, very, very right, Ill, but you know it's ill-used by it. Like, right. I guess it's finished up, but there's a lot of stuff, I think, where there's hype involved with a lot of modern artists right. that ha- that are just we're told they are great. And then you go see their work, whether you see it really in the gallery. You know or who you decides that? The intellectuals. The intellectuals, I suppose. <laughs> yes, they do. And uh, there's some parts where I just go, man, I'm just not, I guess it's not my place to say this, but I went to one gallery show recently where it seemed as if it was a... Uh, a lot of these objects had been cut out of cardboard and covered in shag carpeting mm-hmm. and pasted randomly around the gallery. And mm-hmm. then there was glitter thrown all over the gallery. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> you know, okay. Wrap I, it up. I'm taking it I home. guess. I guess I'm just not. 
well, getting yeah, but it. That's, or... I, I mean, I understand. There, there's some you know bullshit going on. There's there's a, it's definitely a a broad mm-hmm. spectrum, and and sometimes you're like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what impact it has, but you remember it. True. I mean, I, I you know, shag carpet ball doesn't sound horrible to me. True. I, I don't know if it's going to change my life. Right. It just feels, I feel like there should, there, that, or what I like, I, not there should be. For for me, I, I, I enjoy, whether it be modern, classical, postmodern, whatever these things are, that there is where you go, oh, man, that's, it. you know, I would not have thought of that. Or I'm, rem- I'm thinking about it and about it, about what it makes me feel, whether I hated it or loved it. Or that you go, that was spectacular. How did that person paint that or make that or even think of that? Right. You're, I like to be jarred. You're on jarred, a deep yes. Yeah. That, or that, that it's something wonderful that you could not have seen or even expected like or predicted that yeah. that's what you were going to see. Yeah, I can get that from a new ice cream flavor. That's true. There is a new ice cream place, actually, that's uh, all-natural ice cream, non-dairy on 10th Street with some of the most spectacular ice cream I have ever eaten but it's ridiculously expensive. But is the it, experience was... It sounds like it's artisan ice cream. It is artisan ice cream. Let's it go is. get some now. It's on 10th Street near 2nd. But the bad news is you'll want it every day, and it's expensive. Well, that's like everything with me. But their cookie cream ice cream was some of the most spectacular homemade ice cream I have ever had. I think that's a good place to end, and I think we should go get, <laughs> some, let's go get some ice cream. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Janine. All right, now, folks, it's time for another uh, episode of our new segment, Know This Crap About Juice Stuff. I got a couple new emails, and I think they're in the right tone. I, I uh, The anti-Semitics, the strictly anti-Semitic emails have, have stopped, but I got this from, from, uh, from Daniel. Okay, all caught up on the pods. Didn't get the Jew talk issue until you were talking with Nick Kroll. Jesus, why not just blow each other while you take turns reading from the Torah? Then it hit me. You and Nick were like Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss and Jaws, and I was Roy Scheider. The two of you were sharing comedy Jew shark stories, and all I have is my non-Jewish circumcision. You are valid. Great show. Thank you, Dan, I think. And this one from David. You stupid Jew. Blah, blah, Jew, blah, blah, Jewy, Jew, Jew. Blah, 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 not funny Jew. Blah, blah, hate this podcast. Blah, blah, Jew, blah, blah, Jew. Blah, blah, fuck you and your cats. Blah, blah, you stupid old fucking Jew. Blah. There. I just wanted to see what it would be like to be one of those asshole hate mail writers. Love your podcast. Thanks for listening, folks. That's our show. Always a pleasure to be with the uh, the divine Ms. Garofalo. Uh, we go way back, and I'm glad she stopped by. She'll stop by again, I'm sure. Uh, as always, if you need to know anything about what's going on in the comedy world, either today, tomorrow, or yesterday, you can go to punchlinemagazine.com. You can also see some video interviews. The Type 5 interviews are there. Everything you need to know about comedy going on on the planet, punchlinemagazine.com. And please, go to WTFPod.com, buy a t-shirt, get a link to JustCoffee.coop, enjoy maybe a free audiobook download from Audible, 
Things are happening at WTFPod.com. I am also available on uh, Audible.com if you're interested in my CDs. And you can also donate a little bit if you want. Because, look, i got to buy cat food. I need some sneakers. And, uh, and, and Brendan would like a Christmas present. Thank you for listening.